us, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Thank you, Dave. Continuing chronologically through the Bible, we're in the life of Solomon. We're going through the Proverbs that um, came from his wisdom. Notice that this section was not included in Solomon's book. Okay? I want to give you a chart to help us clarify what is and what isn't, because I find myself forgetting what is and what isn't. Chapters 1 through 22, verse 16. Chapters 1 through 22, verse 16, Solomon wrote, and he included that in his book. 22:17 through chapter 24, other writers wrote, and Solomon included them in his book. Chapters 25 through 29, in my opinion, are the most important chapters in the book. They were written by Solomon, but they were added by Hezekiah. That is very very important. As we go through this regularly, we need to ask, why would Solomon not include this? And I think that we're on to something with that. Then there's chapters 30 through 32, which we'll deal with coming up later. Proverbs chapter 25 is where we're at. We're at verse number 27. Proverbs 25 and verse number 27. It is not good to eat much honey. I'm curious, is there anybody in the room that eats too much honey? Okay. This is one most people obey. Do you know why most people obey this? Honey is not cheap. You know what's cheaper than honey? Sugar. Oh, sugar's way cheaper than honey. It is not wise to eat much sugar. Now that's one that we got to stop and think about. Who would have thought the Bible would talk about diabetes? Type 2 diabetes if we don't eat too much sugar, from what I understand, goes away. It is not good to eat too much. Folks, too much of a good thing is bad. Too much of any good thing is bad. The question is how much is too much? How much is too much? I'm gonna show you how much of a good thing is too much. This is too much food. I took this picture last Sunday in the home of Micah Reva Buchart. Um, um, Marge lives with them. Reva fixed enough food, we could have had that meal three times. Three different times. Who was it too much for? It was too much for me. When they started bringing that out, I began thinking, I've got a decision to make. I could gorge myself silly and no one will notice because they're not going to run out of anything. It's hard to overeat when the stuff's starting to run out because if you take the last one, everybody knows you took the last one. But here, there is no last one. Trust me, three times over, there's no last one there. And I'm thinking, 
you know what? I haven't seen Marge. I haven't seen Reba. I haven't seen Mike. Why not just relax? Just relax and enjoy it. And I thought to myself, no. That's not what the Lord wants me to do. And so I decided I'm going to keep it at one plate. One plate. The problem is this. That food was so good, I gobbled that plate down before Dad had his first piece of chicken eaten, and it looked like that I didn't like the food. And so suddenly Reba's saying, here, have some more, have some more, have some more. And I had to say, Reba, I can't. I just can't. I hope I didn't hurt her feelings, but I could not. It was just too much. By the way, here's a picture of Mike. Mike could not go out to the porch where we were at. Mike never leaves the house at all anymore. Pray for Marge. In the area of too much, Marge has a big, big problem. I don't know if you know this or not. I would encourage you, if you haven't talked to Marge in a while, call her up and let her know you still remember who she is. Marge is in terrible, terrible pain. Now, in that picture, she wasn't in terrible, terrible pain. She looked great. She acted great last Sunday. What is the difference between that picture and what Marge is really going through? The answer is too much steroids. The only way that Marge can function is with an overdose of steroids. Her doctor is concerned, she's concerned, but when they bring that dose down, she goes into pain that is, makes her bedridden, straight up. Don't let Marge's appearance fool you because what she looks like when you're not around is totally different. Pray for Marge. I hope that she's able to come back someday. I doubt it. Trust me, she does not want to live with anybody else. That's the biggest evidence that she's in trouble, the fact that she's living with Mike and Reva. Folks, pray for Mike. Mike, since he's retired, is in worse shape than Dad when it comes to walking. Reva told us last Sunday, and Mike heard it, and I said, Reva, you know Mike can hear that. She said, I want him to hear it. Mike gets irritated that he has to use a walker in the house. And Mike says, I'm not using a walker in my own house. Mike fell, I think, three weeks ago in his own house and broke eight bones. Whoa. Mike doesn't leave the house. Pray for Mike. Pray for Reva. Reva, she's got her own problems. Reva is a doer. And Reva is really, really working hard to keep that household going. And it's going to catch up with her. But in that house, they need our prayers bad. Even though we can't see them here, they need our prayers. Father, thank you for Marge. Thank you for Mike. Thank you for Reva. Thank you for bringing them into our lives. Please forgive me personally. Please forgive me for just letting them drift. Thank you that the opportunity arose last Sunday to go see them. I pray that we will keep that up. Don't let us lose touch with each other. But Father, please, please, please don't let us just assume everything's all right. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Sometimes any of the good thing is too much. How much is too much? Sometimes 
any of a good thing is too much. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I think this is the purpose of fasting. Fasting is by choice giving up something that by definition is good. Okay? Fasting has got nothing to do with sin. Fasting is not doing or not having something that is not necessarily bad. Sometimes any is not good. Ask the Lord to make it clear, is this too much? I'm going to give you something to watch for, though. Is this thing causing a problem somewhere else? Is this thing, this good thing, I'm not talking about sin, I'm talking good things. Is this good thing causing a problem somewhere else? Take that to the Lord, study it in Scripture, ask the Holy Spirit to show you, and then watch what He does with it. You might be surprised. There might be something that, it's honey. The Bible says, hey, honey's good. Too much, and sometimes any, is not good. We've seen honey used as an illustration twice before in this book. Proverbs 24, 13, My son, eat thou honey because it's good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to thy taste, which was written by somebody else. Solomon did, not Solomon did include this, but he did not write it himself. Proverbs 25, 16, Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith, and vomit it out. Pretty much the same thing as what we've got in chapter 25, verse 27. Solomon wrote this, but he did not include it. This section that we're in today is going to point us to Ecclesiastes <coughs> a lot. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon is going to overindulge. He's going to be on an experiment but he's going to very much overindulge in mostly good things. There's, there's some areas to where it's kind of gray, but it's going to be hard to say, Solomon, what you're doing is wrong, except in the area of excess. I believe chapters 25 through 29 may be a transition between the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes. I believe in my heart, the more that I study in this area, that Solomon did in fact write them and did in fact leave them out on purpose. I believe that there's a good chance that he originally did include them and then took them out. I can't prove that. It wouldn't surprise me if he did include them, then took them out. Why? Over and over and over, especially today, we're going to see Solomon preaching against himself in Ecclesiastes. Okay. It's not good to eat much honey, so for men to search their own glory is not glory. When we look for recognition, that's what that's talking about. When we look for recognition, it shows we've already had too much. Very, very important, especially in church. Over the years, I've seen so many people, including myself. I'm in this group. I've seen so many people. And he recognized him, but he didn't recognize me. You've heard that over and over and over, okay? Folks, when we're looking for recognition, it shows we've already had too much. There is a balance between humility and honor. 
if we seek one or the other, it should cause us to question. If all we're doing is focusing on make God making God happy with what we're doing, forgetting the humility and the honor, that is a good sign we're on track. But sometimes when we're looking for honor, it's showing that we got too much pride. That's what that is. On the other hand, if we're looking for humility, it could be an overcompensation of pride. Just do things because God wants us to do them. If nobody notices, Scripture tells us He does, and that should be enough. Let this be a warning. It's not good to eat much honey in the same way for men to search their own glory is not glory. What we get won't be genuine. And that's worse. To be patronized is the worst. For people to say, good job, and then not be able to tell you how is a good job, that's, that's suspect. But then again, if I care, then that's a problem. See, this thing just all builds on itself. Forget the recognition. Forget it. Ask King Saul. Saul said, they're giving David credit for ten thousands and me only thousands. Let's drop out the David and ten thousands. Let's suppose those women were given credit for Saul for his thousands that he's conquered. That'd be a good thing, wouldn't it? Add in David's ten thousands, now the thousands bad. The problem was with Saul looking for recognition at all. He's already king. What more can he get? Just do the job. Just do the job. By the way, I noticed something when you were reading, Ray. The women answered to each other, I think is how it says. When they said, David got his ten thousands and Saul his thousands. It was around. This group said David, this group said Saul. You ever noticed that before? I've never seen that before. Not only were they saying it, they were having fun saying it. And Sunday school, we used to do this all the time. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You praise you. The, we had no idea what the song was about. It didn't matter. We had, it was fun. But imagine you're a king and you're getting humiliated by your own people and they don't even know they're doing it. What was the whole problem? Too much. Too much. Verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. What does it mean to have no rule over your own spirit? You can know I need to change, and I can't. I know there's something I need to do, and I can't make myself do it. That's what he's talking about. That's a city that's broken down and without walls. Imagine what would happen if the world found out that America's military had been turned off and it would take 30 days to turn it back on? There's some people in the world that would take advantage of that and there's a lot of Americans that would die because of it. 
Having no rule of our own spirit is exactly the same way. It gives the devil an opportunity to jump in and grab and take. Either Solomon wrote and included the same, earlier, not even earlier, earlier Solomon wrote and included the same illustration, but from the positive side. So this is going to be antithesis. In Proverbs 16, 32, he that's slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. It's the exact same illustration, but the opposite side. Solomon did not include the negative side. Ecclesiastes, folks, is going to be a perfect illustration of lack of self-control. I don't want to beat Solomon up. Solomon beat himself up. But we've got to learn. And I submit to you there's way more to learn of Ecclesiastes than just what's in Ecclesiastes. How do we get self-control? Okay. I've got self-control. Let's do it. No. Never works. Never works. Okay? Do the opposite of what he's going to do in Ecclesiastes. Here's a hint. It's found in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. That's how you get self-control. I'm not going to go farther than that now, but that is where we get self-control. Chapter 26 and verse number 1 <laughs> As snow in summer, and as rain in harvest, so honor is not seemly for a fool. Snow in summer is extremely rare and totally inappropriate. Rain in harvest is extremely rare and totally difficult to deal with. Honor for a fool is extremely rare and inappropriate. A fool does not seek God. That is the only thing that makes him a fool. We look at foolishness, we look at wickedness as though there's some big sense. No, no, no. They're simply not seeking Jesus and Christians can do it. A Christian can be a fool this minute and wise this minute and a fool this minute and wise this minute in each individual situation. A fool does not seek God and loses honor. Period. That's what normally happens. Occasionally, Someone who doesn't seek God will get honor, but very rarely will that honor last. But more importantly, for a Christian, when we stop seeking Jesus, we are bringing dishonor on ourselves in very small increments, even if we're not doing specifically anything on purpose. Just not seeking Jesus. How can we not seek Jesus? What is that thing that you thought of when we talked about too much of a good thing? What are you going to do with that? That's what's happening here. If we know to do right and don't do it, it's sin, it's foolishness, it's wickedness. Ecclesiastes, packed full of it. Why is Ecclesiastes even in the Bible? Ecclesiastes in the Bible is a warning. Okay, What is there is true, but it's a warning to us. By the way, never, ever, ever read any part of Ecclesiastes without including the last two verses of the book. Yep. When we teach Ecclesiastes, the last two verses will be in every single one. Every single one. 
I preached one message on the entire book in Sanford. I called it Diary of a Man Who Tried Everything. And I went through each and every one of them just very quickly, the things he tried, and they came up with this conclusion at the end. I had a lady walk up to me to tell me how good I did, except she didn't tell me how good I did. She said, you just destroyed everything I'm trying to teach my daughter for her whole life. And I thought to myself, I'm glad. I wish it had been your pastor that did it, but I'm glad because whatever you taught her is not right if I just destroyed it with Scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I believe chapters 25 through 29 is a transition to Ecclesiastes. Adding the last two verses will prevent a lot of issues. When I was pastoring at Park Ridge years ago, there was a guy that came to me with the book of Ecclesiastes, and he showed me a verse that's repeated three times in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm not going to tell you what it is. We'll get to it there. Showed it to me. He said, that right there says it's okay for me to do drugs. I said, no, I don't. He said, well, it's right there. It says it right there. And when we get to it, I'll bring this up again. It says it right there. I said, let's look at the last two verses. Oh, yeah, you've got to add the last two verses every single time. If you read one verse in Ecclesiastes, always add the last two verses. Verse 2, <laughs> as the bird by wandering as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. This is pretty easy to understand, but the way that it's written, it's a little confusing. Let's start with the undeserved curse. That is the thing that is the subject of the Proverbs. We've got to remember this is an undeserved curse. It does not come. That's a good thing. An undeserved curse will not come. What does this say about voodoo? Don't worry about it. What does this say about people who wish bad luck on us? Don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. An undeserved curse will not come. That's from God. Straight up. It flies away like a bird. This is very comforting. It's not so much that it doesn't come as it is a promise from God, we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about it. Sometimes life can be so packed full of everything that we wonder, am I doing the right thing? Am I causing my own problems? Ask God to reveal if we're causing our own problems? And if so, which ones are we doing wrong? The devil loves to say, you're a bad person. You're a bad person. You're a bad person. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because he said that to everybody. Jesus never, ever calls us bad. Never. What does Jesus do? He says, this thing right here is too much. And we're going to work on that. And if you choose not to work with me, we're going to make it a little more difficult for you. But he's always clear in what he's working on. The curse causeless, this generality of you're a bad person, you're no good, 
It will not come unless we bring it on ourselves. Do I believe this lie? Well, we're taught that we're sinners. We're taught that even after we're saved, we're sinners. So technically, yes, we are bad people. But we sh should we let it stop us from doing something good? That's where the problem comes in, and that's why the devil is throwing this at us constantly. You're bad, you're bad, you're bad. He just wants us to be inactive. It's all he's after. If we let that slow us down in a service for God, we're helping the devil. Not only are we not doing the good thing we should do, we're actually helping the devil stop us from doing the good thing we should do. When it comes time for correction, ask God to be specific. And I submit to you, He always will. Always. It may take the Bible. It may take circumstances. It may take the Holy Spirit. It might take people at church. But through investigation, it'll come up. I promise you it'll come up. Had a lady one time, I've told you this several times, she just felt so guilty because she could, didn't come to church, didn't come. I said, well, how could you? She said, I can't. I'm in a nursing home, but I, I just feel like I should go. That's the curse causeless. It's not real. She's experiencing pain that is not real. It's not from God. It's not even a genuine thing she's doing wrong. <clears throat> the curse causeless shall not come, but I submit to you we can bring it. Verse 2. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, and a rod for the fool's back. Earlier, Solomon wrote and included Proverbs 19.29, judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes for the backs of fools. These things are necessary for those without self-control. These things are necessary for those without self-control. This is going to sound so silly, but it's absolutely applicable. My dog, Shamu, it, with the addition of Michelle's new dog, my dog, Shamu, in his age, has decided he's going to rebel. He wants nothing to do with anybody. Yesterday, he grabbed something that belonged to the puppy. And it was something that wasn't going to be good for him at his age. And so I said, no. He growled at me. I picked him up, and he growled. And I could tell the difference. I've never heard this growl before. I wedged my fingers in his jaw to get him released. He would not release. And I thought, this is not good. This is not good at all. Even at his age, I've got to find some way to bridle him. He cannot become alpha. And I submit to you that God does the exact same thing with us. There are times when God says, if you're not going to control yourself, I'm going to control you for you, for your own good. I submit to you there's a lot of times in our life we go through difficulty just to prevent us from doing what we would have did had we felt good. There's so many things to difficulty in life that have nothing to do with us actually doing wrong. 
That's why we got to seek the wisdom of God. We've got to say, God, please show me what you want me to do. Please make it clear what my next step is. With that type of attitude, he's got no reason not to do that. But on the other hand, if all we want to do is get rid of our problem, get rid of our problem, get rid of our problem, he says, you ain't ready to get rid of that problem. Ecclesiastes. Verse 4. Oh, you're going to love this. This is one of my favorite things in all of Scripture. Verse 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like him. Verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. How many of you have never seen that before? All of us have seen that before. Folks, could a contradiction be more obvious? No. Let me teach you. When it's talking about contradiction in the Bible, this always comes up because this is the easiest one to find. There are no contradictions in Scripture, just reasons to study. So let's study. Let's look at them again, adding emphasis. Now, this is something that English cannot do is add emphasis. We can add emphasis to a whole sentence by putting an exclamation point. We can add emphasis to a particular word, but then it's shouting. And so typically, especially in the King James, we don't have emphasis. Verse 4, with emphasis, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Don't answer using the same foolish thinking he does. Answer not a fool according to his folly. How do we answer a fool? With Scripture. If we don't use Scripture to answer a fool, we become foolish. What does this tell us about when we go on the internet and argue with people? Keep it to Scripture. Just keep it to Scripture. Forget trying them to understand where they're going wrong. Just go straight to the truth. Use Scripture. Verse 5, adding emphasis. Answer a fool according to his folly lest he be wise in his own conceit. Answer a fool according to his folly. Use Scripture. Using Scripture, correct him or he will think he is correct. <clears throat> Verse 4 does not let us not do anything. And that's the problem. We look at that and we say, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. There's no reason to do nothing. There's every reason to use Scripture if we don't, he thinks he's correct. No longer a contradiction. Just adding emphasis to a word. That's all we got to do. Study will pay off. At Park Ridge right now, there's a gentleman every week. He asks me, how do I know what God is saying to me? How do I know what God is saying to me? You know exactly who it is. Ramona does too, but she's holding it in. This guy is precious. He's very eccentric. You know what his problem is? He's not going to listen to this. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to name him by name, but it's real. There is a lady in his neighborhood that is in bad financial situation, and she's always borrowing money. Always borrowing money. Every single week, 
We counsel him, don't loan it, give it. Don't loan it, give it. He doesn't want to hear that. He wants his money back. We say, all right then, tell her no. Tell her God don't want you to do it. Tell her no. He don't want to hear that either. So he bounces back and forth. How do I know what God wants me to do? How do I know what God wants me to do? I feel like I should do this, but I think I should do this. I'm just bouncing back and forth between two opinions. Scripture says, how long are you going to be stuck between two opinions? Pick one! He has no idea. He's causing his own problem. <coughs> answer a fool using Scripture, but answer him. Answer him. If he doesn't listen, let him, let him suffer. Just let him. I've decided, as of last Sunday, I'm not going to counsel him anymore. Not on that. If he asks me directly, one-on-one, -on -one, my answer is, I've already told you. I'm not going to waste my effort on someone who I have shown what they need to do and they won't do it. I'll still love him. I won't be mean to him. If he doesn't bring it up, he won't know there's anything going on. That question comes up. I'm not going to be his encyclopedia of do this when they're not going to do it. Yeah, that's casting pearls before swine is what that is. He is a saved man. In this one section, this one area, he's foolish. In this one area, he's unwise. In this one area, he's a swine. Don't forget, people are not all good or all bad. It's individual instances that we have to treat them different ways based on how the Holy Spirit leads us. Excellent sermon Wednesday night. Excellent. Ray talked about trust and faith. Trust and faith. How do I trust that my bad experience is good? The answer is Scripture. But he made it very clear the Holy Spirit was given to help. What does the Holy Spirit do? This was very powerful. I can't remember exactly how you said it. The Holy Spirit is able to change the way we see the event. Scripture, Holy Spirit is able to change the way I see an event. So therefore, my bad situation stops being bad. I can see it as good. Very good. Very good. We listen to Ray. We listen to you out on the way to church every Sunday morning. This church is blessed. This church is so blessed with, with what you have even in Dad's absence. Ecclesiastes is definitely going to come into play in, with verses 4 and 5 in this area. There's a lot of times Solomon's going to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We're going to have to answer him. We're going to have to. If not, it's not going to make any sense. I've heard some preachers try to preach in Ecclesiastes and make it a positive book. It does not make any sense if you try to make it a positive book. It's not. It's a negative book, but it has a positive conclusion, and that's how we're going to go through it. Let's try to do one more. No. That one's kind of long. Father, thank you so much for Proverbs. Thank you for Solomon. Thank you that in spite of the 
downward turn he's about to take. You loved him. You made it clear he's with you. You even gave him a compliment when you walked the earth. Thank you that we don't have to be perfect. Thank you that even when we mess up, you use it for the good of everybody involved. Only a God that loves people can make that happen. Help us to show we appreciate it. Help us to try. Help us not to just sit back and say, that's a contradiction, I can't do anything with it. Help us to study. Please get us over our selfishness. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.